I'm going to talk to you about the beginning of the early church. And um, in those days, most of this comes from Acts. And in the beginning of the early church, it wasn't just like, um, you know, they decided to have a church. There was a lot of opposition. In fact, one Roman ruler even made a coin and pretty much in my words, it said, Christianity is dead and we don't need to worry about it anymore. Those weren't the exact words, but that's my words. And so there was definitely a lot of opposition. There was a lot of people, the whole Roman government was against the church. And so let's start with the disciples. Um, the disciples before Jesus' resurrection were very weak. They, um, they were selected by Jesus, and um, he knew in the end they would come through, but yet they had a lot to learn. And it wasn't that the disciples were great. It was that the Lord was great, and he was going to work in them. They were going to be the instruments. And so as Jesus tried to teach them and taught them and walked with them, even though he performed many miracles, they still weren't getting it. They thought that Jesus' ministry was going to be on earth. They didn't know about Jesus going to heaven. So then as Jesus was um, persecuted, arrested, and hung on a cross, and when he was raised up, and when he was resurrected, he um, was walking. Sometimes he was even walking with a couple disciples. And for 40 days this went on, and finally the disciples were getting that Jesus was the Messiah, and he was going to be their ruler, their king. And it wasn't until Jesus went up into heaven that he left the Holy Spirit. And he left the Holy Spirit with these disciples, and then they became bold, confident. It was like the Holy Spirit was their counselor. And the disciples had, had much more to live for. They could see the whole picture now. In fact, they were risking their lives. After Jesus' resurrection, the disciples saw a living, resurrected Jesus. They spent time with him, and their questions were answered. After seeing Jesus, they became fearless. They risked everything to spread the good news about him. They faced imprisonment, beatings, rejection, and martyrdom, but they never compromised. These men wouldn't have risked, in some cases, given their lives if this was not for the truth of the gospel. You know, we wonder as we look back, the, the disciples, they didn't have their phones they didn't have Twitter. They didn't have Facebook. They didn't know what was going on. They only knew what Jesus was telling them. And so they were in the middle of this. You know, they saw the one side with the people persecuting them. And then they, they saw Jesus performing miracles. And even though they walked with him, there was a lot of chaos. And they saw a lot of suffering. And so, it wasn't as easy as we think it would be. And so, the early church, 
finally started with the disciples after Jesus was resurrected and they had the Holy Spirit. They were bolder. And so as they're trying to start the church, as I was reading in, my, in the Word, that it reminded me of small group, that they started in small groups. It didn't say that, but it reminded me of that, and maybe they did. And so the people were learning that Jesus was it. I mean, he was everywhere. He was walking with them, and um, they knew he was God's only son. They're finally getting it. And so the disciples are trying to pass this on. And so you can imagine what the people thought. So let's just look at it today. Imagine that um, you went to a church service. Let's just use me for an example. Back in 1976, my dad and I butted heads all the time. And ironically, within the same 12 months, we both gave our life to the Lord. Now, isn't that ironic? And so it was a special church service in the big town of Armstrong where there was um, some long-haired men came from Champaign, and they were a singing group, and I could relate to that. I don't know if you knew it or not, but everybody had long hair in 1976. If you didn't have long hair in 1976, you were weird. <laughs> so, so anyway, I went to the altar, and I gave my life to the Lord. And um, also, sometime in there, my father did too. So my father and I still butted heads, but my father was like ridiculous. Like he was on fire for the Lord. He was like, you better give your life to the Lord or else. You know, it was really neat. And it reminded me of another day that this happened when Brenda is driving the van down the road and our four-year-old son figured out that the older brother told him he's going to hell if he didn't give his life to the Lord. So he's crying in the back of the van and my his brother leads him to the Lord. So that was pretty cool. But that's not the way we need to express God's love. But my father, he was, he was kind of like that. So anyway, where was I going with this? As this, as this started, the disciples were talking to the people. And, you know, they couldn't get the concept that Jesus was everything. You know, I had a granddaughter one day that was having trouble serving her in the volleyball. And I, I told her, she was very frustrated about it and everything. And I said, all you got to do, honey, is just say Jesus before every serve. That's all you got to do. You don't have to say it out loud. Nobody's even got to know it. You can just say it under your breath, Jesus, and it'll help you. And you know, it sounds too simple, but that's the answer for everything. And I've probably already told you that before, before when I've spoke, but it's true. So Jesus was alive and the early church started. So many, as I was reading about this, many people, many pastors don't call this the early church. They call it Jesus's first ministry. So let's see what happened with Jesus. So in John chapter 14, verse 15, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, 
because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. And on that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and, the, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. So then also, let's go to Acts chapter 2. It's a little bit before the scripture that was just read. Let's start with verse 34. Acts chapter 2, verse 34. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children. And for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So that was pretty much the beginning of the church right there. So let's just get... Let's review some things. So when you ask Jesus into your heart, he gives you the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean you have to use it, but he gives it to you. And it's there for you. And so I like to describe this as maybe um, the husband bought his wife a new car, but she won't drive it. She drives the old one. And he says to her, you know, why don't you take the new car out? Oh, I don't need that. I'll just keep driving the old one. I can handle it myself with the old one. And you know, that's kind of the way we are. We think we can do everything ourselves. Our pride gets in the way, and we don't call on the name of the Lord. And you know, no matter how small it is, we need to call on the name of the Lord because we can't handle it ourselves. Look at all the things that are happening in this world right now. I don't know about you, but this Wednesday morning, it really bothered me when I looked on Fox and I saw the war, you know. I thought, why is this even happening? You know, pretty much it's happening because of one man. We need to call on the name of the Lord all the time, no matter how big or small. And we need to ask for more of the Lord into our hearts and into our lives, and he will, he will help us. We need to constantly ask for the Holy Spirit, even though we don't even understand it, but he will, it will help us. So I have a scripture that's, kind of explains that about the Holy Spirit. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. 
Here it is. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. Now, before, before I finish reading the rest of this, you need to understand that it says so many times in the Bible that nobody else is going to understand this. Only the people of God, only the people who have accepted Jesus into your, their hearts are going to understand some of this. So to the average person who is not accepted to the Lord into their heart, it's going to mean nothing. It's not going to mean anything at all. So you have to remember that. You have to read the word and take it for just what it says. There's no tricks. You don't even need any education. In fact, I have hardly any education. So I have to read it about three times. But you've got to remember that the Lord promises you. He, he loves you. He wants to make it so easy that it will work. These are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches for all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit. This is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. So that makes it pretty simple. You know, used to, it was very worrisome, intimidating. In my day, back in the little Methodist church in Armstrong, when anybody talked about the Holy Spirit, like, we didn't talk about the Holy Spirit. That was scary. But it wasn't until, I remember my mom taking one of my sons around one year. She was always helping Brenda and I take care of our kids. And in the fall, it was around Halloween, and uh, one of my boys was riding around with my mom, and, and they went by a yard that had all the Halloween stuff in front, the ghosts and everything. And um, it was pretty cool. My son looked at my mom and said, Grandma, we don't need to worry about that. That's not scary because we got the Holy Ghost. And he's right. And that son, early on, when um, I would take a group of men to promise keepers, he would pray for us in the driveway before we'd go. And that was pretty neat because it's amazing what little children get out of what you're teaching them. You know, they just take it literally. They don't ask any questions. And that's how we need to be. We need to be like little children of the Lord and not ask any questions. Because no matter how intelligent we think we are, or how smart we are, just trust in the Lord. So it goes on here. This person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. Now that's what I was talking to you about before. The people that don't know the Lord, it's going to be foolishness to them. They don't understand it. And that's what it just said in the word, that it is foolishness. 
and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. So these are not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit. You know, that is so neat. Because you wouldn't believe how many times... I remember one time, Brenda and I were driving to northern Illinois, and I'd been, I was supposed to speak there. And I was going to a revival, and um, Brenda said, we'd been so busy, I was bailing hay, I jumped off the tractor when the house took a shower, and she started driving. Northern Illinois. I forget if it was up by DeKalb, but anyway, that doesn't matter. But so Brenda says, "What do you got?" I don't. Know, I don't have anything. I showed her the piece of paper. I didn't have anything. I wasn't ready. And you know, it was so cool because I went there. I got up there, and of course, she'd prayed with me on the way because you know, you become a in a panic, I've never even been to this place before. I didn't even know these people. I was invited there because I'd spoke down at Greenville, Illinois. So one lady liked what I said at Greenville, Illinois, and she asked me to come up there. So I go up there, and it's like, Lord, this is all yours because I don't have anything. And I don't even remember what I said, but it turned out great. I do remember there was a lot of kids there. And they dismissed the kids. And before they dismissed the kids, I prayed for all of them. But the point I'm trying to make is just trust the Lord. Because we are not smart enough or intelligent enough to figure all this out. Did we know that Russia was going to war with Ukraine on Wednesday morning or Tuesday night? Nope. But the Lord knew that. And I didn't know it until Jordan brought it up this morning that 70% of the population are Christians. That is awesome. So you know what? We're praying for our brothers and sisters when we're praying for Ukraine. Okay, let's go back to John, and it's John chapter 15. Verse 26. And we're talking still again about the Holy Spirit. I'm trying to make it very simple why the Holy Spirit is so important. Okay, John chapter, I got the wrong chapter. 15, verse 26. And John here describes the Holy Spirit as the helper. Here we go. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Advocate meaning the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Jesus uses two names here for the Holy Spirit, the advocate and the spirit of truth. The word advocate conveys the helping, encouraging, and strengthening work of the Spirit, whereas the spirit of truth points to his teaching, illuminating and reminding work. The Holy Spirit ministers to both the head and the heart, and both dimensions are important. 
Now let's go to Romans chapter 8. I know I'm jumping around, but this seemed to work when I was studying this. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So the law of the Spirit who gives us life has set us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You know, um, there's so many times anymore, in fact, in the last couple of years, where things in our country have seemed like chaotic. And when that happens, I always know I always want to go to the Lord. And I don't ask the Lord why. I don't ask the Lord anything. I just say, Lord, please take care of my children and my family. Because I can't do it myself. And we all need to remember that. There's no, no better thing to do than go to the Lord. Because he'll take care of us. We are his children. And he will take care of us. So, um, I, have, I have cattle, I live on a farm, and I bought a, a special female about, I don't know, two or three months ago, all because of my oldest son, and um, she decided at three o'clock this morning to have her baby calf. So I was out there checking her by myself and, and thinking, well, I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> Isn't that the way it goes? So... I did get the calf out, and um, because this heifer is so special, I did not want to hurt her, and um, I got everything out okay, and, and um, this morning I went out, and of course the calf had not nursed, and you need the calf to nurse in the, at least in the first four hours, so then I had to work on that. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make is that don't you think I was out there praying for the Lord to help me, because I'm out there by myself. And of course, I left my phone in the house. My son that I always help, call to help me, he, um, he had just been on a trip with some youth, and he had to drive the bus, so I wasn't going to bother him. And um, I knew Brenda was at the house asleep, so and there was nothing I could do because I didn't even have my phone. So instead of going, there wasn't time to go back to the house, back to the barn, you either get it done now or it's going to be too late. Because when a baby calf is born and the sack is already broke, then the calf can't breathe very much longer. It'll suffocate in there, and you've got to get it out pretty quick. So that's what I did. So, but I've done this my whole life, so don't get me wrong. This wasn't it was a big deal, but it wasn't like I didn't know what to do. But anyway, everything went out fine. But the point I'm trying to make is I'm always... I'm, praying out there the whole time because I know he's out there with me. And so everything turned out okay. 
And I was very thankful, very thankful for such a simple thing to a livestock farmer. But that's how, if the mother, if we don't save the baby, then that mother's not going to make any money for us. That's, that's the whole point of having the livestock. So when a, when a mother loses a baby, you end up feeding that mother for like 18 months or so and don't, don't get any revenue from her. So, so this was a, a successful deal. The reason I'm telling you this is because constantly I am in prayer no matter what I'm doing because I know that I can't handle everything and I know I can't do it myself. But I wasn't always like that. I was When I was younger, I was very prideful, didn't call on the name of the Lord and tried to do everything myself. It doesn't work out very good. So... I just wanted to share that with you. Now, let's go back to Acts. Let's go back to the first chapter of Acts. It was really fun preparing for this message because the Lord has a lot in here about how we need to lean on Him. So Luke starts out here, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day he was taken up in heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait For the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So pretty much our Jerusalem is your home. So pretty much your neighbors, your friends, they are around your Jerusalem. So don't make this complicated. It's, he's only asking that you speak to the people you already know. That you share the love of Jesus to the people you already know. And you know, the simplest way, that can start with your family. I was listening to a preacher talk about this subject when I was trying to prepare for it. And, and I was really got... He... Um, was a pastor for 30 years before he led his mother to Christ. I was appalled at that. I figured, well, Lord, he's probably one of the most godly people I know. I figured that his mom would be all in, but it took 30 years. 
So we don't know. We don't know the time of the Lord. We always want it right now, don't we? And we don't want to wait. The power believers receive from the Holy Spirit includes courage, boldness, confidence, insight, ability, and authority. The disciples would need all these gifts to fulfill their mission. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Ask God to fill you with these same gifts in order to fulfill his mission for you. So it wasn't until Jesus' resurrection and he's walking on the earth that the disciples got it, that that was really him, that he is alive again. And they had a boldness like never before. And when Jesus ascended into heaven, he said, I will leave you with the helper. And the helper is the Holy Spirit. He told them that before he ascended into heaven. And so the disciples leaned on the Holy Spirit then to start the church. Now there's always going to be opposition. There's always going to be things that don't work out. There's always going to be times in your life where children get sick. And you wonder where the Lord is. But he will be there for you. And I will leave you with one last story. I feel like the only way I can explain the love of the Lord and how he's taking care of me is by telling you about my life. So it was back in um, December of 1988. I I have two sisters and two brothers. I have a sister that was married to a dairyman. And um, I don't remember how old he was, but I know he wasn't 40 yet. Maybe 37, rings the bell. And on this average day, this afternoon, he would always go out and throw some hay down from the hay mow. Before he, um, before he started his chores, before he started to milk the cows. Then after he threw the hay down, he'd come in the house to my sister Kathy and get one cup of coffee and then go out and milk the cows. They had a small farm, a very simple farm, and um, he didn't come back. He didn't come in for his cup of coffee. And so my sister went out looking for him, and he was lying on the haymow floor. He had died. He had um, tried to climb up some bales of hay, and he'd fell and broke his neck. Immediately. So the reason I tell you that is because I still remember walking across the barn lot there and crying out to the Lord. Nobody was around me. I said, why? I don't understand, Lord. Why would you... Have him leave my sister and their two children. And I don't remember him at that time saying anything. 
So no matter how much we lean on the Lord, things don't always work out. But you know what? The Lord was there. We took care of his daughter. He was a great guy. He was the type of guy that had more to do than anybody else. And then he would stop and go help a neighbor. And it almost made me angry at the neighbors because they took him, they took advantage of him because he would never say no. I remember him so many times going to help a neighbor. And so in his billfold, we found a scripture. And I don't remember what it said, but I just remember that, that um, I wasn't surprised. He was an awesome, awesome man. And so, like I said, we got very close to his daughter. We took care of his daughter. She was like another child to us. And she's still close to us to this day. But the reason I tell you that is because things don't always work out. But don't stop leaning on the Lord. Don't stop calling on the Lord. Don't blame the Lord. I remember I went to a neighbor one one time, and, and um, I tried to pray for them. The lady was so angry. Her son had, was killed in a car wreck. He was drunk. And she said, don't tell me about the Lord. I still remember that. But we can't become bitter. That won't help. But what will help is keep the faith. It's a marathon. But don't ever give up on the Lord because he's never going to give up on us. And remember, we are his children. Remember how it hurts you when your children don't come to you when they need help. But we always need to keep coming to the Lord. And if you don't know this Holy Spirit, if you don't know Jesus, you can ask him into your heart right now. In your seat, to yourself. Nobody will even know. It's just up to you and the Lord. That's what's so cool about the relationship with Jesus Christ to each one of us. Is we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ on our own. You know, I, I almost laughed out loud when they told us that we couldn't pray. Our kids couldn't pray in school anymore because they don't even understand that they aren't going to stop us from praying. They aren't going to stop me from loving the Lord. They aren't going to stop my kids. From talking to the Lord, it's impossible because he wants us to call on him and he'll always be there. He walks with us. Just don't ever forget that. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for the word. I thank you for your scriptures. I thank you for the disciples who risked so much just for you. And Lord, I just thank you for the love that you have for each one of us. Unconditional love. We call on your name and you're always there. We are your children and you take care of us, Lord. Help us never forget that. Help us to remember that we have the Spirit right at the grasp of our hands. It's there with us all the time. All we have to do is call on your name and you'll help us. Thank you, Jesus, for everything you do. Thank you so much for the love that you give us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.